I get to try one of these things out that Tony gets to use all the time, I guess. And uh, Not that I want to be Tony, but uh, Larry Barrett uh, saw me out in the hall, and he said, he said, hey, I hear you're preaching today, good. I, I said, Larry, how did you hear this? He says, I heard it on WHAS this morning. <laughs> and, he, and he still came. And then Lee Gherkin came up to me, and he said, he said should I just go home now? He said, no, I'm planning to stay. And you don't have tomatoes, do you? I didn't, I didn't see any out there. But, um, sometimes it's hard to, to know how to handle a, a sermon like this. And, and, some, and you can get up and give your own sermon, I guess. But I don't have one written or prepared. But Luke did send this to us this morning. So we got a copy of it. I got a copy of it and have read through it here. I'm going to try to get through it all right. I remember Ross Logan talking about stuff like this, though, before. He said, he said I don't know if I can get it quite right, but he said, hey, if... If you want me to give a sermon, if you want a if you want a twenty minute sermon, you need to give me a week to prepare. If you want a one hour sermon, give me two hours to prepare. If you want a two hour sermon, I'm ready to go right now. So you may be thankful that Luke did send a sermon over that we can go through. Otherwise, um, Kim knows I can get on a rant once in a while or get on my soapbox. So we'll try to avoid most of that. Um, uh, I do have to, uh, Luke's sermon here. It's 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 a pretty good message if I can get it out well enough that that you can understand it. So um, I pray that the Holy Spirit works on our hearts and minds and lets us understand that and do that. And uh, I'll just I'll share most of what he's got here, and I'll try not to get off base too much. Although um, Dan did say that the service was a little shorter this morning, we might be able to, no just extend it some. So. Yeah. Well, um, glad you're here today. Um, we continue our series on party people. And in this series, we're looking at the Old Testament festivals that took place in Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers. These festivals were celebrations that the Jewish people, the Israelites, celebrated. In other words, they're parties. So that's where we're getting the party people kind of idea here. If you're joining us for the first time, you may be wondering, why in the world are we studying Old Testament festivals? Well, for one... We believe that God shows us throughout His spoken word that His chosen people, that as His chosen people, we are to be party people. We're to celebrate and we're to have fun and live with so much excitement that we can't keep it in. Based on what God has done for us, what He's doing for and through us, and what He has planned for us in the future. And we need to share it and celebrate it. We have a common hope and a common joy. So when we get together, we can have a good time and we can celebrate life. And that's why we're called a party people. You see, party people are the ones who bring excitement and passion and joy to others around them. Party people don't get, their, don't get to sit, get, get to take their seat and sit back just to experience the same things over and over and over again. If we want to see our communities changed by Christ, we have to start becoming the party people that God has called us to be. A people who every single day live with purpose and meaning and passion and excitement and live a full life lived out in faith. This is off script. Take your bulletin out though. Take your bulletin out and look at the back of that thing. It's got our vision statement. Luke just alluded to it here in, in, in the words he's written. He said, if we're going to have, see our communities changed by Christ, 
If you see, that's our, that's our vision statement on the top of that page. If we were to picture what the world would look like, what our vision would be for the world around us, we would be saying, you know what? We would, we would love to see this, this whole community, this place that we live in, impacted by Christ and changed by Christ. So that's our vision. Will we ever get there? Maybe not this side of heaven, but we can get closer. In order to do that, we've got mission things written down below that. We say, okay, how are we going to do our part? How are we going to help try to create that vision, to move us closer to that vision of our community being changed by Christ? And it says for us, what we're going to do is we're going to reach the lost. That needs to be a priority. We need to make disciples. That needs to be a priority. And we need to show grace. All those are intertwined together. But if we do things that have that kind of intention around it, then we're going to have an ability to, to help Jesus, to help the Holy Spirit change this community. If you look at the core values that are down there, we say we can't do any of this without identifying what our core beliefs, our core identity, our core values are. So we've listed five of them. It said God must be glorified. So that's the first overriding thing as we look, about, look at how we do things here as a church, as a church body, as Christians of this body. God must be glorified. The second one says God's word is God's will. That's another way of saying we believe what the Bible says. We believe that God has given us his word in the Bible, and we believe and are going to follow Scripture, and that's going to be our guiding principle. We believe that, or the, another core value, the third one, is growing people change. That if we're growing, we're going to continue to change. We may change the number of people that are here. We may change the way we look. We should be changing internally and becoming more like Jesus. So that's, that's what that means. It means we're, as we're growing, we should be changing. Loved people love people. It's hard to love somebody else if you're not loved. Hopefully in our church community here, we can love each other so that that gives us the ability and the strength to go out and love others around us. The, the next one there is you can't be a Christian alone. The idea that we need to get together and we need to do things together, support each other, learn from each other, and, and encourage each other so we can get through the hard times and we can work better together as a team through the good times and we can help do those things up in our mission statement. And the last one says, God deserves our best. We want to try to do everything we do as if we're doing it for the Lord. So we try to put excellence into the things we do. Sometimes we fall short of that. As individuals and humans and, and people here, imperfect people, we do fall short of that occasionally. But that's not our intent. So as we do things, those are our core values. I, and there's our mission. And if we do those kind of things, that helps us. That, helps, that allows us to help God and the Holy Spirit change the community around us. That's one of my soapboxes, so put that in there and, and study those, memorize those, those, those core values and our mission things, and, and, and let the Holy Spirit guide your thinking and your hearts, and, and who knows what kind of things can stir up and get started from that. I'll try to get back on script here. If we want to see our communities changed by Christ, we have to start becoming the party people that God has called us to be, a people who every single day live with purpose and meaning and passion and excitement, live a full life that's lived by faith. I know I said that, but I thought we ought to hit that again, pick up. So today, we're going to take a look at uh, Leviticus 23 and the Festival of Trumpets. 
Our biblical text will be on the screen somewhere in a minute for you if you want to follow along with that or you can grab your Bible, go to Leviticus um, or get your phone or your tablet or whatever else out and you can read the scripture that way too. So let's take a look at the Festival of Trumpets starting in Leviticus uh, chapter 23 verses 23 through 25. The Lord said to Moses, give the following instructions to the people of Israel. On the first day of the appointed month in early autumn, you are to observe a day of complete rest. It will be an official day for holy assembly, a day commemorated with loud blasts of a trumpet. You must do no ordinary work on that day. Instead, you are to present special gifts to the Lord. So first, what do we, what we need to do is we define the what this festival is all about as party people. First thing we see in verse 24 is that this is the first day of the appointed month. This month is the, happens to be the, the seventh month on the Jewish calendar. And God has picked that day out, and there's some other things that go on about that seventh month, and there's some other festivals that happen in there too. Um, but this is the first one of that seventh month. This is important because the Jewish seventh month was a sacred month for God's people. Why was it sacred? Well, partly because God picked it that way. Also, some other ways, God rested on the seventh day, and in that same way, as we see in verse 24, this festival was to be started with rest, to show the people that they needed to rest with God. To best understand this festival and its significance, we need to look back at what kicked off this festival. We see that they gathered together as one. And at this season, during the seventh month, or at this season during the seventh month, it's in the fall um, time of the year, so we kind of see what kind of going on that, that fall time of the season um, coming up for us. Hopefully we're not there yet, but yeah. You know. We see that people were to gather together as a holy assembly. They gathered together as one holy assembly. When we gather as one to worship God and celebrate, that's a beautiful thing. It's a picture of our relationship with God. Jesus did tell us that he wants us to be united as his church. He wants us united together. He prayed that we would be one with the Father just as he is one with the Father so that we can be one with him. And he's grooming and, and making his church to be his bride. So one church, one body united together. So they've asked us, God saying to the people of Israel, said, get together. This will be a holy assembly. And then we see that in this festival there is a loud blast of trumpets that will commemorate this special day. Then special offerings will be given to God. What do we see God doing through his party people that he wants us to see and celebrate together as one? First off, when you look at our topic for today's sermon at the top of the bulletin outline, you'll see three words. So now you've got to do some homework. Get your paper out. If you bulletin in the, in the, or paper, or the flyer in your bulletin, the top of that page, it says what? Anybody got it? Boy, that was a muddled thing. I couldn't hardly tell what it said. What did you guys say? Okay, listen, learn, and live. All right, sorry. That's, that's, the, that's kind of the theme of where we're going here. So um, he's got that top of the page there. We'll keep track of that. Now, the first thing that, that Almighty God was showing his people in the Festival of Trumpets was that he was speaking. You know, the Israelites had many kings that ruled over them. But the difference of those kings and the blowing of the trumpets at this festival 
is that the true king of Israel was speaking. So it's meant to get attention. The festival was an awakening call for God's people. For us, the question is, are we listening? If we look at the trumpets, this blowing of trumpets was not like a normal trumpet that you'd hear at the, at the school band today. No, the word here in Hebrew is teruah. I don't know. Ron, you may have to help pronounce that. It's T-E-R-U-A-H, which means a series of sounds on an instrument for the purpose of sounding an alarm. In this case, it was the blowing of the shofar, the curved ram's horn. I've never gotten to blow one of those. Dan, you got a shofar out at camp at all? No? you got a bell, though, that used to wake us up in the mornings. Didn't like that very well. But the shofar, that'd be interesting to try to play. What was the blowing of the trumpets to mean? To mean that God was speaking and that we should listen. We see this same blowing of, the, of this instrument take place in Exodus 19 when Moses is on Mount Sinai. So let's look at that passage. It's Exodus 19 starting in verse 16. On the morning of the third day, thunder roared and lightning flashed and a dense cloud came down on the mountain. There was a long, loud blast from a ram's horn, and all the people trembled. Moses led them out from the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. All of Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord had descended on it in the form of fire. The smoke billowed into the sky like smoke from a brick kiln, and the whole mountain shook violently. As the blast of the ram's horn grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God thundered his reply. The Lord came down on top of Mount Sinai and called Moses to the top of the mountain. So Moses climbed the mountain. We see here in Exodus 19 that God used Moses to help show his people that he was guiding them to a special place with him. And he got their attention with the sound of the trumpet. This place was the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey, a land where they would have everything they needed. But, again, how does this apply to our lives? What are we being guided towards in life? Are we in tune with God's Word? Are we allowing the Holy Spirit that exists in us as believers to transform us into Christ's likeness? Are we in tune enough with the believers around us in this surrounding place and in our community that despite any of the sicknesses and depression, anxiety and lies and anything that comes between us living together as party people that we can still truly listen to God, listen to His Word and His commands? Is that thunder? Dan's meditation this morning. um, going through things like that in life and still seeing God's plan and still trusting enough to, to, to put our faith in God and to still, man, I can't hardly, you can't hardly picture the words being a party people in that, but, but those folks that went through that and shared their faith that way, that's incredible. It can be done with the Holy Spirit living in us when he changes our hearts and minds. Looking back, you can see where God worked in that situation. I'm reminded that of the, of the verse that says, all things work for good for 
those who love the Lord and are called according to His, called according to His purpose. Well, God called them according to His purpose, and He used them for good. In the short term, it wasn't very good. In the long term, it's really good. And if you think about really long term, we're only here a short time. Long term is an eternity. It's all the good that came about that for eternity. Even through those kinds of things, when we go through those kind of things, we need to be in tune with God's Holy Spirit and God's Word enough that, and God's people around us that we can get through those kind of things and still rejoice. God is working to show His people, us, that being a party people isn't about sitting back and relaxing. It's about something much more personal and real. How does this festival point us back to being party people? By reminding us that, one, we have a reason to live, and two, we are the light of the world. That reason to live isn't grounded simply in simply walking through life and being a good person. Jesus reminds us that of this in Matthew 5 when he says, You are the light of the world. Light shines through darkness, through the pain, through the depression and the anxiety, through the evil things that happen all around us. So the question becomes, what are we going to do about it? What is our goal in understanding how to be party people who live as light in this world? Jesus defeated the darkness through the power of his resurrection, and that same power is alive today. We just have to find ways to tap into it. So how do we tap into the power of the resurrection? Well, that's a pretty deep, life-changing question if we are serious about becoming disciples. I think God always wants us to start with faith. We see great, a great example of faith in Mark chapter 9 when Jesus heals a boy who is possessed by an evil spirit. Let's read that story. If you want to go there, it's Mark chapter 9, verses 15 through 24. Mark 9. When the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe, and they ran to greet him. What is all this arguing about, Jesus asked. One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son so you could heal him. He is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever, whenever this spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit. But they couldn't do it. Jesus said to them, You faithless people, how long must I put up with you? How, mu- how, long, must- how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought the boy, but when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion, and he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. He replied, since he was a little boy, the Spirit often throws him into a fire or into water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. What do you mean, if I can? Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. The father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. Many of us today can relate with this story if we've made a decision to believe in Jesus. We have that encounter, that moment where we realize that we need a Savior. It's like the crowds at the beginning of this story were thinking, this Jesus guy really does some incredible things, and I want to see it for myself. 
And these miracles are incredible, so much so that we can't understand or describe them really in our own human understanding. But let's not pass up what this father in this story did when he met Jesus. He didn't just tell Jesus he believed. He freely admitted that his level of faith needed to grow. He said, I believe, but help me in my unbelief. But help my unbelief. Have you ever asked yourself, asked ask that question when things are going great in life? We typically don't think about that so much when it's going great. What about when things are going, couldn't be worse? They're going bad and they couldn't be worse. Do we ask those kind of questions? The father of this boy got it. He knew he wanted more and he desired more. He had a desire to have the greatest faith in what God can and will do. He wasn't content with just knowing that Jesus could heal his son. He knew that great faith meant greater passion for Jesus, greater desire to be a disciple, and to be changed by that. George Muller once said, Faith begins where man's power ends. And this statement is true today for us party people. If we want to be changed, if we want to listen, to learn, to live as God's party people who are so compelled to live for Him that we can't help but shine brightly, then we must start with giving up our own power and letting the Holy Spirit work in our lives. That's no simple task, and we know that. Giving up our wants and our agenda for Holy Spirit's way isn't something that happens overnight. It's a process we commit to so we can become stronger disciples who disciple others. Not sure where to start with this? Start by simply praying, talking to God about where you're at right now, being open and honest with a loving Father who always wants that relationship with you. He wants that relationship with us. Another thing we can do as party people is ask ourselves some really tough questions, like, are we willing to take risks as a church body if it means doing something we've never done before for the purpose of reaching someone with the gospel? If it involves helping others the way that God has helped us, then the answer needs to be yes. We need to be open to what the Holy Spirit wants us to do as we think about our vision and our mission statement. When we do this, we will, be, we will begin to see the world through the eyes of Jesus. We will desire to be changed by Holy Spirit, and we will respond to this awakening call as we see here in the Festival of the Trumpets. The trumpet sounded. How are we going to respond? When that ram's horn sounded, the people knew God was speaking, and they responded to it by resting, by giving back to God what He had blessed them with, by rejoicing and celebrating the great, li- the great gift of life that God has given us today. Maybe today you're wondering if this whole party people lifestyle is, is right for you. Maybe you're wondering, wondering, do I really need to commit to this type of faith? I would encourage you to reflect on that because our commitment to being transformed into the likeness of Christ is the best daily decision you can make. God's given us His Holy Spirit to help us. He's there to help us. If we ask and commit to allowing the Holy Spirit to change us, the best daily decision we can make 
get up in the morning and decide every day to follow Jesus. Worship team, we're just about done. So come on up. And everybody else, just go ahead and stand. Let's, let, we're going to pray here just to end this sermon. Um, keep in mind what, that, the, that God calls us and He asks us to, to be in a relationship with Him, that He wants to be our Heavenly Father and He wants that close relationship with us. So if we just, if we just open our hearts and minds, we, we allow Him to come in and take over. We can, we can have that kind of relationship. If you're here and you're a believer, then you, you know that to some level. Just go deeper. Be more honest and more open. If you're not a believer and, and want to start joining this journey or taking this journey, then as we sing our song here in a minute, then come on down and, and we'll talk about the next steps on that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for loving us so much that, that, that you would share your word with us like this, that, that you would allow your son, the word, to come down and be part of our lives so that we could talk to you in this way. Lord, thank you for that. And thank you, Father, for that unending love, that boundless love, that unconditional love, that no matter what we've done, that you still love us. Lord, just continue to open our hearts. Help us to, to just allow you to take over more and more of our lives. Help us not to worry about things, Father. Help us to put our faith and our trust in you and do that daily. Help our faith to continue to grow so that, so that uh, your word can be spread around the community around us so that, so that more disciples can be made and, and, and the lost can be, can be found and, and grace can be shown, Lord, so that this community can be changed by you. Father, thank you so much for this church body. Thank you for the family we have here. Thank you for the celebrations that we, that we can have every Sunday when we get together and, and enjoy meeting with each other and finding out what's going on and hearing the news and just planning new things. And, and Lord, that we can come together in one voice and sing songs of praise to you and we can, we can join in communion as one body, Lord, to remember what Jesus did for us. Thank you for that, Father. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.